Hey, I'm Alan Sepinwall. I'm the chief TV critic for Rolling Stone, which is a fancy way of saying that I watch TV for a living. But there are so many TV shows being made now that even I can't watch all the ones I want to. But what if you didn't have to binge an entire series? What if you just looked at the very first episode of a show you'd never seen, and then the very last? Would you feel like you'd gotten a complete experience, or would you be completely lost at the end? Well, there's only one way to find out. Welcome to a new episode of Too Long, Didn't Watch. As our guest today, we are very fortunate to have with us John Hamm, winner of countless awards for playing Don Draper on Mad Men, scene-stealing guest star on 30 Rock, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, actor in such films as Million Dollar Arm, Baby Driver, Bridesmaids the Report, and many more, and most importantly, St. Louis Blues fan number one. <laughs> John, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Alan. Here we are. So, John, what are we going to watch today? I think we're going to watch a little phenomenon. I'm not even going to call it a show. It was a phenomenon called uh, Gossip Girl, which I believe aired on the CW. But a lot of friends of mine were fans of it. It was just one of those shows that I feel like I was a little aged out of by the sure. time it came out. But I knew enough people that were very into it and swore by it. And then, of course, I worked with some of the people that worked on the show. Um, and I probably lied to them at the time and said, I love your show and how great it was. <laughs> but I've never seen a lick of the show. It was during a time where I was already working. So unlike a lot of shows that I've never seen, I also didn't audition for it. One of the things that's always struck me in my conversations with you is a lot of people in your profession, they do not watch a lot of TV either because they don't have time or it just doesn't interest them. You watch basically enough to be a TV critic yourself. I do like watching TV. I I've, I look at it like... Uh, like if you're an athlete or if you play football, it's like, why wouldn't you look at tape of the other teams, you know, to see what they're doing and to see how you can maybe get better at, at what you do. And also, I just find it tremendously enjoyable, I think, especially now. And I think you can attest to this, having been been there for the uh, the big bang of it all, so to speak, uh, of, of the golden age of television. I just think that you're missing out on a lot of cool, interesting stuff, whether it's... Uh, what have I been watching recently? The Outsider, thought was really good. We were just talking about Dave. Um, yeah, there's just so much good, weird, interesting, out there stuff. So why not give it a give it a whirl? So you already said you felt a little bit aged out of Gossip Girl. What, if anything, did you know about it at the time when it was on? Well, I knew it was like an, uh, a New York City kind of baby Sex in the City, Sex in the City for high school kids kind of melrose place redo but in new york in private school i kind of had the template i kind of figured okay i get what this is yeah uh it's a it's a cool soap opera where everybody's young and dresses in fashionable ways and uh it's very aspirational for a certain set of of uh the youths um but beyond that i didn't really know the ins and outs of it other than the blonde girl was sleeping with the other guy's girl and the girl that had the other girl was in trouble with the other girl. And that was what I knew because there was a lot of gossip. Yes. Yeah. And then eventually you and the blonde girl, Blake Lively, you were in the town together around midway through the run of the show. Did Gossip Girl come up much at that time? Uh, well, we we did not have very many scenes together, Blake and I. We had met, I think, at like an Emmys or something, because Mad Men had won, I think, that year. Um, but no, we, we talked about it. You know, we talked about how different it is shooting tv over film you know i was she was kind of like 
how many pages a day do you do? And I was like, well, we do a lot. We kind of got to move through a lot of script and we don't have a lot of money and we're a basic cable show. So she was like, yeah, we do a lot too. This is crazy. This movie stuff is so slow. Like we don't get, and I said, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the movies. Like you, you only kind of get one shot at it. It's, you don't get to tell a different version of the story next week, you know? So it's a, it was an, it was an interesting thing to like watch somebody, somebody else kind of go through that too. For those who don't know, Gossip Girl ran for six seasons on the CW. It was based on a series of YA novels by Cecily von Ziegzer and adapted by the OC producers Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage. It chronicled the lives of a group of fabulously wealthy Upper East Siders from high school into their early 20s and was one of the first TV series to be about social media while also using social media to promote itself. Wow, see, I, did, I had no idea that that was a whole thing. Yeah, social well, media was around when... Yeah, I, mean, oh, I guess Twitter was 2007. Yeah, so Twitter kind of existed, but just, you know, being on blogs, doing online things, also sort of leaning into... They leaned into the backlash in a way that you see a lot more now. So they I would see. do these ads featuring negative review pull quotes. Right. Sort of saying, like, this show is... Yeah, know, XOXO. Gonna... I remember that ad campaign. It was very effective. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't let your children watch exactly. this. Exactly. Ah, clever, clever CWs. Yeah. It debuted back in September of 2007. Other new shows that premiered that month included The Big Bang Theory, Chuck and Pushing Daisies. Mad Men was finishing its first season, but oddly, it took that week off. Like, in between... Well, we didn't want to mess with the, the juggernaut <laughs> that was Gossip Girl. <laughs> Um, but if you wanted a show featuring attractive New Yorkers and a future star of the town and Mad Men was off, you could watch Gossip Girl. Pivot. Exactly. So let's take a look and see what happens. And who am I? That's not a secret I'll never tell. You know you love me. XOXO. Gossip Girl. Hey, Upper East Siders. Gossip Girl here. So now there was a big, like, have the biggest news thing about who's the of voice sources, of that narrator, right? Of the Gossip Girl? Yo, I mean, it's Kristen Grand Bell's Central. voice. Oh, it is Kristen Bell's voice. Serena yes. Serena looked effing hot last night. You are deeply disturbed. You're telling me if you had the chance. I have a girlfriend. You guys have been dating since kindergarten, and you haven't sealed the deal. People date in kindergarten? <laughs> I've been thinking that doesn't seem really healthy. It doesn't seem right. <laughs> Spotted on the steps of the Met, an S and B power struggle. Did we know they had history? This is the first we are hearing about it. There's nothing Gossip Girl likes more than a good cat fight, and this could be a classic. She better not show her face again. I'm actually hoping she will. Spotted. Serena making a heroic exit from these parties. I feel like she does like parties. Too bad for her. Sure. School on That's Monday. where she gets all the best gossip. Until right. Next time, you know you love me, Gossip Girl. It would be a very cool choice if the, if they decided that was it. She does not show up for the rest of the series. No more Gossip Girl? No, no, no. The Serena character. Uh, it's <laughs> like, oh, she better not show her face again. And she doesn't. <laughs> Just doesn't. Like moves to Brooklyn, changes schools. She's like, you know what? I'm kind of finished with this. I'm not down with this whole scene. <laughs> There's an active sexual predator in our midst that no one seems to be doing anything about. And uh, I'm out. But I have a feeling that's not how it happens. Uh, no, but we'll, we'll find out more about that. So 
what just happened? What did you just see? Uh, I, I thought it was a pretty good pilot. It reminded me a lot of Beverly Hills 90210 and like all these other, you know, high school shows that came came in into existence over various periods of time. It, it was a great sense of like time and place as soon as they started with the Peter Bjorn and John song or whatever that song was that you're like, okay, I get it. This is 2000, mid 2000, whatever's. I'm assuming the central thrust of the next six seasons is the Serena Blair dynamic because it felt very nebulous in the pilot as to what happened so which i thought was a good choice i thought it was an interesting way to go about saying okay there's history here <laughs> the line they've dated since kindergarten still makes me laugh <laughs> but yeah so i think that there certainly seems you know you've got a good baddie in the ed westwick character you've got a lot of room for the freshmen to grow and figure it all out the 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 narration is weird and cloying in some ways because it's so omniscient yeah. In a way that it seems impossible, but I get that that's the trope of the thing. So it's like, all right. And it's like, you know, that's, that's the dream of being in, in high school is to have an omniscient narrator that can always tell you everything that's going on. Yeah. So I think it's kind of, obviously it's like a pretty cool wish fulfillment for that age of, of kids that were watching. And I'm assuming, all, you know, all these kids are in their twenties, but the, the show was pitched for like 14 year olds. I'm assuming. Yeah. All right. So hold, let's take a step back for a second, just for the benefit of the people who did not just get to watch this episode with us. How would you break it down so simply in terms of what happened and who the character. So the Blake Lively character, Serena Vander Vanderwoof? Woodson. Woodson. Vander Woodson. Isn't there a TV critic named Vanderwoof? Vanderwerf, Emily. Okay. See? Worlds are colliding. <laughs> so exciting. So she comes back from a hiatus of sorts that is mysterious. She comes back on the day before the first day of school. There's a party. I'm going to say they're seniors? They're juniors. They're juniors. Okay. So we haven't even seen the senior class. No. And yet, in the only high school in the world, the juniors apparently run everything in this high school. Well, because you got to get at least two seasons. Out I was going to say, they, other than otherwise, that's a very long year of high school. So the gossip girl, who I guess runs a website that details the goings on of just this school, seems to be just this school. Okay, it seems very specific. I don't know how she's going to drive clicks and revenue, but okay. <laughs> the um, media ecosystem was very different in two thousand seven. Very from how different, it is but now. not that different. You could tell, like the the. The uh, dependence on phones was very interesting to see, even though they were like old sidekicks and like weird yep. versions of phones. Uh, the MySpace line obviously doesn't age very well. And they take the bus to the fancy school that they all go to because they have to wear ties. And that's where he overhears Chuck and Nate. Nate. Whose full name is Nate Archibald. Nate, which Nathaniel is, Archibald. Yep. Which as a sports fan, you know, Hall of Fame point guard. Oh, yeah, he's a basketball player. Of course, that's interesting. I wonder if that's on purpose. Must have been. Um, a lot of crossover between he play YA for the fans. Uh, no, I think he played for the Celtics. Tiny Archibald. Tiny Archibald, yeah. Well, I don't think he wants that nickname. But anyways, <laughs> there's a lot of caddy behavior. Um, is that Taylor Momsen? Taylor Momsen, yeah. She was actually the most famous person in the cast going into it because she had been Cindy Lou Who in um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, wow. Okay, well, right on. And I think she's also from St. Louis. Dan's younger sister, she gets ingratiated into the Queen Bee's little thrall by doing some calligraphy for the in invitations to the weirdly titled Kiss on the Mouth. Kiss on the Lips. Kiss on the Lips party. That's a black tie event for high school juniors. Black tie event, open bar uh, for high school juniors only, or I guess freshmen also. Uh and apparently fully co-signed by all of the parents. It's, yes. It was very weird. The unwavering, unblinking attitude toward completely public consumption of alcohol by uh, teenagers 
was looked at a little askance because I mean, uh, we all drank when we were in high school. It was like a thing, but yeah. you had to sneak it hard. Yeah. Couldn't go to a venue yeah. with all of your friends and rent it out at 17 and be like, yeah, we're going to need a full bar and bartenders and everything. And like, so we'll just pay for it. Or I'm just going to go to the palace hotel and sit at the bar and have nine martinis and not get carded. That, that seems very strange. Uh, anyway, the kiss on the mouth party happens. She drops her phone. He grabs her phone. He goes to return it the next day. Like there's a lot of attitude yeah. being thrown toward Dan. It's like, hey man, I'm literally bringing a phone back that I found. I don't know why you have to give me so much attitude. But she doesn't want to go to the kiss on the lips party. She fakes a date with Dan, who agrees they go to see Dan's dad's band play. Lincoln Hawk. Lincoln Hawk. Does that name ring a bell, by the way? Well, it sounds like Lincoln Park. It's actually the name of Sylvester Stallone's character in Over the Top, oh, the greatest arm wrestling movie ever made. There you ever go. Made. Uh, I think the only arm wrestling movie ever made. Was look, there another one? Possibly not, but look, you, you got to give it something. I think I saw that in the movie theaters in the 70s. As, uh, I, I remember I remember thinking like, how is he going to follow up Rocky? <laughs> well, this is it, and it's got to be good. It's not good. <laughs> Uh, but Lincoln Hawk, good to know. Oh, there was a whole weird crossover flashback thing that was very weird, too, where both couples were flashing back at the same time. Uh, Nate is telling Blair about how he and Serena slept together while Chuck is telling Serena how he watched them sleep right. together. Right. That was very weird from a, like temporal timeline cross that felt like a very convenient device yes. to be like wait they're both telling the same story in completely different places and completely different things but anyways yeah that happened yeah and i don't even want to say what's going to happen episode two but the last line is she better not show her face again said by blair waldorf and then chuck bass says i really hope she does so I think uh, I think she is going to show her face again, <laughs> probably as soon as episode two. I, I can spoil that much that she does appear in episode two. I have a feeling, yes, that that's that face will be shown, but there will be consequence. So, do you find yourself like rooting for one side or the other? Are you Team Serena or Team Blair, for instance? Well, it's interesting. I think it, it, it they what they what, for me what they didn't do as well as some of the other versions of this show do is they kind of. In the pilot, at least, and I bet over the course of the series, it, it gets a little more nuanced. But they painted it with a pretty with a pretty uh, heavy brush. We have the setup of of the good the good guys, the downtown family, the the rock and roller, wrong side of the tracks kid who didn't do anything wrong. And then we have kind of the uptown guys like Chuck who are just, you know, pure evil. And maybe Serena a little has that as well. You can there's some Machiavellian machinations in there. And then the the Nate and Serena. Nate and Blake Lively are the two who are kind of at cross purposes you can see that nate's dealing with his dad who's trying to push him into some weird business venture which feels really weird and serena with the mom has a lot of baggage that she seems to be uh improperly medicating let's say yeah but um so yeah so i think that i think that it's a good setup for uh it, the pieces are on the chessboard so to speak and it's a good it's a good setup to see like okay how are all of these people going to behave and will they behave true to the character that they've established in the pilot or will they evolve over the course of a season? All right. So you, before you speculated that you think the, like the bulk of the series is going to deal with the rivalry between Serena and Blair, where do you think some of these other relationships might wind up going? I, you know, if I'm, if I'm to use my television experience uh, over the course of my life, it's like, if you, if you have six hot young people, they're all going to end up sleeping with each other eventually. Like that's you, you look over the course of Melrose place and friends and everything. They all trade eventually because you just have, you've got, 
you know, 200 episodes to film. Yes. So you, they're going to have to do something. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say that all of them eventually will either heel turn or do a turn against their established character. For example, I think there will most likely be a point at which in the series Chuck does a nice thing to somebody. Okay. Uh, I will think that there would be a moment in which the wrong side of the track Dan, nice guy, does something wrong, slips into the wrong embrace or something because he he gets his priorities confused. Um, and I think that'll work out for every every other person. I think eventually the sort of wide-eyed young Cindy Lou Who will turn into like a proto um, mean girl a la Blair. I keep getting the name. The yes, names Blair. are really hard to keep straight. So I think that the, over the course of this, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm sort of excited to see how, first of all, how everybody ages. <laughs> but second of all, uh, because the makeup on the show is intense. Yeah. When Serena and Blair have their little tete-a-tete at the bar where they're both publicly drinking, uh, they're both in such heavy makeup. And then they kiss, they they hug, and I'm like, oh, girl, you're going to get that all over your jacket. <laughs> like, rule number one, like, nah, don't let her lean in on you because you got a whole smudge now. But I guess they have people to take care of that. All right. Based on this episode alone, would you guess that Gossip Girl is secretly any of the characters you just saw? And if so, who? Oh, maybe that was the thing that I had heard about it. Uh, based on this episode, no. Okay. Based on this episode, I would no. I, I'm still kind of confused as to whether the Gossip Girl, the Kristen Bell voice, is a person or an amalgam. I guess I was thinking that, oh, that's like, remember Nikki Fink? Yes. Like like the Nikki Fink, who I guess was a real person, but always felt like she had like little Nikki Finks everywhere that were Nikki Finking her back. And so yeah, she, and then she could say, told you. Right, exactly. Um, so you said before, like, because you already cast in Mad Men, this is not a show you went out to read for, but I can imagine a different timeline where they had you in for Rufus, the, the rocker dad. Oh yeah, for sure. I would have, I would have been a dad in this, which is hilarious because I would have been maybe 12 years older than any, the teens. I did audition for one of the dads in the OC. Wow. Which was a show that was on t- five years before this show. Yes. So I, I was, I was probably 31 <laughs> or 32. And, uh, and yeah, it was like, it was like, I think it was like me and Harry Hamlin and who was the guy that ended up getting it? Uh, Tate Donovan. No, it wasn't Tate. It wasn't uh, Peter Gallagher. I Gallagher. Said. No, he was, I was, it was me. You read me for Sandy yes, Cohen? I know. It what? Was Peter Gallagher. It was oh my very, God. Very I remember walking in and being like, is that Peter Gallagher? And then we were like, <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> I love Peter Gallagher, but I was just like, dang. I'm, I'm trying to imagine the OC with you as Sandy. Oh, oh my God. I, guess, uh. I may not be able to get through the rest of the day. I'm just going to be thinking about this. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't get it. That's just not surprising. But I was always one of those people that fell in between like the two cracks. Like I never looked young enough to be in high school, even when I first got out here when I was 25. So like I missed out on all of the Dawson's Creek and all of the early, early, like, yeah. um, WB shows. So then they were like, well, we, then you maybe come in and play one of the dads. And I'm like, well, I don't look like I'm not old enough to be that either. So I, I had to wait around a long time. Now, could you see any of your co-stars from Mad Men playing any of these characters? I think Lizzie would probably be like the Taylor Momsen girl, but I think like Christina for sure could be one of them. Yeah. Um, uh, and then maybe like Jess Perret. I don't know. It would be weird. Like, uh, You'd have to have like Vinny in there somewhere. I don't know because we're we're all just we're all so much older. It'd be funny like 
to do like a 40 year old version of gossip girl yeah. with all like 40 year olds uh which could also just be called my life <laughs> <laughs> do you see any parallels that between the, the characters in this world and the adult stuff that was happening on mad men around the same time or, or not um i don't i don't know i mean th this show's pretty heightened i yeah. mean it's you know it's it's wall-to-wall -wall soundtrack and it's like it's it's shot in a very kind of glossy way and in and, and a beautiful way and obviously a very successfully uh tantalizing way so i think that the i think that the values there are a little bit different from the ones that we we celebrated on our show there's definitely some common dna in the sort of drinking to excess and and making poor choices it's just that we show people in their 30s and 40s doing it not people in their teens yeah they climb a staircase and nobody throws up <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, they're 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 in better shape. So, are you ready to now find out how this all resolves six I seasons am later? Fully ready. This is the best way to do this. <laughs> okay, so let's go and watch New York. I love you. The series finale. So of what was the, was the pilot just called Pilot? I believe it was just called Pilot. And this this is the final episode. Episode what thirteen of season six? Season, it's only ten episodes for some reason. Oh god! I guess they slashed the budget at the end. Lucky dogs. Episode ten, season six. Episode 610. Yes. New York, I love you. Where is she answering? And who am I? That's not a secret I'll never tell. You know you love me. XOXO. Gossip Girl. Now, are they still in high school or in college now? Yes, they're in college or in some cases out past college. Gotcha. He used his father trying to kill him. I don't know anything about that. Oh, so that's the development. Yes. You? She's not talking to you. She's a minor. Why do you have a minor in a prom dress in your, in okay, your apartment? You it's a long story. Everything. Are they in the I've red room? I think it's where he write, he's writing his book. Twin Peaks crossover. Yeah. Parties. So this, is the, this is the ninth grade party mentioned in the pilot? I believe so, yes. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's drinking and Dan has like a wall of chest hair. Okay, well. Because that's when I saw you. I'd seen you before at school. They shot it with a gauzy filter, so that means it's a flashback. What are you doing standing there all by yourself? Don't you ever go to parties? William. That's a new person. Yes. Right? And that's a Baldwin. Yes. Can you tell me which Baldwin it is? I want to say Billy? It is Billy. And come on, it's not like Chuck didn't do his fair share of terrible things to you. Ancient history, and besides, Chuck is one this of is us. This is her second one. Yes. Also, the second time Bart dodged. Oh. Well, I got that. Friends with our friends, we, we both dated him. Are we meant to recognize these people from the show? Yes, these are characters from intervening seasons. And I have the biggest news ever. Lena, come on, Belle, can you just try a little harder? I'm sorry. If I'm being really honest, Rachel, I don't think you can pull off high school anymore. If I wasn't born into this world, maybe I could write myself into it. I might have been a joke, but at least people were talking about me. The one I felt stupid about was graduation when I asked Gossip Girl to meet me and then Dan showed That's up. a pretty big hint. <laughs> you may be rid of Dan Humphrey, but you'll never be rid of me. There will always be someone on the outside wanting to get in. Who am I now? That's one secret I'll never tell. XOXO, Gossip Girl. And that was Gossip Girl. The rare double wedding finale. Yes. That's impressive. That's more, it's better than one wedding. 
Certainly, two is always better than one. I feel like I wasn't too off base. Your knowledge of how television works served you well. <laughs> you suggested at some point Chuck would do something nice. Now he is the romantic hero sort of the Sort of the romantic hero. He has a kid. Yes. The, the sexual assaults, long forgotten. As I believe Blair said, ancient history. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right, so uh, but before we get into anything else, for the benefit of the people who didn't just watch the episode, what are the two or three biggest things that happened here in the finale? Well, I can't. I, I don't know if it happened in the finale or if it happened at the end of the previous episode, but the patriarch was pushed over the side of a building, killed uh, by, well, not necessarily by Chuck, but it was he was an incidental conduct of some sort, and uh, Blair was on the roof when it happened, so she was the only witness because there were no cameras because... Uh, Bartholomew Bass? Barch Bass, yeah. Good name. Uh, turned off the cameras. Uh, anyways, dead Bass, escape, what do we do? Uncle Jack comes to the rescue, played by one Desmond Harrington, who starred opposite me, and we were soldiers once and young in 2000, uh, 2001, I should say, and um, playing Uncle Jack the fixer of sorts. He comes yes. in and makes makes things makes problems disappear. Yeah. Which I gather is Michelle Trachtenberg's job as well. Um, uh, uh, Lair's side of things. She is Georgina Sparks, and she is actually a villain from the middle of the series who, I guess, reforms by the She end. comes around to help our couple in need. So they, they have to go on the lamb. It's decided that if they get married, that they will uh, not have to testify on each other's behalf or will not be compelled to testify what they know. So they do. They try to go get married in the courthouse in some place upstate. Doesn't work. They then pivot off of that and and have to go uh, to get married in uh, in Central Park. They're going to do it. They're going to make it happen. Now, during this time, uh, Dan is downloading to Serena basically all of what he's been doing over the past few years. He's writing this expose, I guess, about their time in school or their relationship or something. And it concludes with, I guess, the the hot goss of who is Gossip Girl. And who is Gossip Girl? And it turns out it is, in fact, Dan himself. The the huge reveal, the gender-swapped, it's Gossip Boy. Uh, and he uh, he did it as a, as a way to be uh, talked about. I guess the message of the show is that it's better to be talked about rather than not talked about. Yes. Which is... A curious message to <laughs> implant in the heads of the fourteen-year-olds that are digging the show, but I think it was—I uh, think it was well-intentioned. I hope, anyway, and uh, not the—not uh, the kind of. Although, look, this is what we have now. It's like uh, you know, that's uh, they're the gossip gang are the first influencers, I suppose. Yeah. And now they have a platform upon which to to do what they can. So there were a bunch of new characters here. Have any idea who they were? Well, I figured that Georgina Sparks, just because of the name, was kind of on the bad side of things. Yeah. Uh, and then Jack Bass, the fixer, could tell just because of Dez's portrayal that he was sort of a nefarious character. Then the Wally Sean, Dorinda, was that Bla that wasn't Blair's mom? It is. They recast Blair's mom oh. after the pilot with Margaret Collin. Okay. Well, that was a that was a I would thought maybe that she died and this was Aunt Aunt Lady. <laughs> Um, so no, the, I, I kind of got who those guys were. Uh, the, the, the weird, the weird parts for me were the, the, the wife swapping that happened between episode one and now the Billy Baldwin character, the impossible to know Ivy, 
Yes. Dickens? Yes. We'll, we'll get into Ivy. She's Ivy Dickens' character. Didn't understand that. And then the relationship between Serena's mom and Billy Baldwin didn't understand and realized that, oh, I guess Serena's mom married Chuck's dad also. So that was very com- complicated, but it, it's, it's pretty spelled out for you. Yeah. It's, it's right there. Serena's mom, she marries Chuck's dad. Chuck's dad then fakes his death. At that point, she finally marries Rufus. They get together briefly. Bart returns from the dead. From the dead. She leaves Rufus, remarries Bart until he dies for real a second time, and then eventually winds up back with Serena and Eric's actual father. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's their that's their bio dad. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So how did you feel about Dan being Gossip Girl? Uh, I thought it kind of tracked more than anyone else. There's obviously, whenever you have this sort of omniscient person, there's going to be points in the story where you're like, well, how does that person know what's going on? Uh, which I guess can be pretty easily explained away. Like they were saying, <laughs> it was kind of a nice bit of exposition toward the end. Like, well, by that point he had built up his network all the way to like, he had so many people and you're like, I guess so. Um, so yeah, no, I think it, uh, it, it worked for the, for the story. I don't think any other character would have really, would have really worked. Although I'm sure you could have written around any of them, but I, I like that they chose that guy. Will it would it surprise you to know that he was not originally planned to be gossip? Girl? That's what I mean. I'm sure they. I'm sure the room had four. You know, kind of choose your own adventures of who was going to be it. The original plan, I believe, was it was going to be Serena's little brother Eric, and then eventually, too many people in the audience started assuming it was Eric. Picked it out, so they said, "We can't, we can't do that. We've got to go in another direction." Then they thought it would be Nate because they realized, as he says in the finale, that he has never sent a tip into Gossip Girl, so that kind of makes sense. Uh-huh. And eventually, Se- Stephanie Savage, the co-creator of the show, came back and she decided it would be would be Dan. But the problem is, there's a bunch of inconsistencies with that over the run of the show. Sure, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there's got to be, especially when that's your third choice. But also, the funniest thing was, I should have known when I said to come, told Gossip Girl to come meet me, and you showed up. Yep. Yeah, that's a big hint. <laughs> so, among other things, he he often seems surprised to be reading Gossip Girl scoops while alone. Right. Not just when he's you know trying to put on a show with other people. Uh, he spreads terrible news about his little sister Jenny. Not just yeah, that was a that was a thing, and then and then quickly wiped over by the fact of like you know her leaving was the best thing that ever happened to her. Wink. He exp- he exposes among other things that she was a drug dealer. Oh, that's not cool. Um, but see. but it, but in this episode, his his statement was that she he only exposed things that she wanted him to do. Yes, and if there was ever anything she he could have just she could have said <laughs> to him. Yeah, maybe don't rat me out to the NYPD. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. There there are times when he physically could not be posting, like at Blair's first wedding, which we'll talk about. Right. He is in the wedding party up there at the pulpit with everybody else while Gossip Girl sends out a blast. And he's doing it with one hand. No, his, his hands are visible. Oh, no. Yes. So this was definitely one where you kind of have to close your eyes and not think Grain too, of salt too closely. It. All right, so I want to talk about Chuck because I was definitely impressed when you were speculating, you know, based on your knowledge of how TV works, that at some point Chuck was going to have some kind of a face Redemption, yeah, of course. So how do you feel about that given what we saw of him in the pilot? I mean, you can't go much much more of a heel than he was in the pilot. So he has to kind of, there has to be some kind of redemption. Otherwise it's just banging on the same piano key the whole time. Clearly. The interesting thing about it was he played it kind of the same way. So he still had that kind of snivelly sneer, uh, out of breath kind of affect that he was playing the whole, the whole way of the show that never changed. It just, everyone kind of was like, Oh, this is Chuck. Like he just kind of talks like a bad guy. Yeah. It was kind of interesting to see that he, 
was accepted by the community or by the narrative as this sort of relatively heroic person, even though every time you open his mouth, you're kind of like, I don't trust that guy. <laughs> it does feel weird for a show to ostensibly be kind of so female centric or female oriented or about the kind of girl power of it all, even though it's a little twisted to actually have, have the, the men really in the show, or the boys in the show really kind of manipulate the girls so much, at least from what I've seen, there just yeah. seems so, like so much, a uh, back and forth, including the, the, the reveal that the actual master manipulator is in fact a man. Um, so as part of that, as Dan is telling Serena, the story in the finale, we get this flashback to the ninth grade party. Yeah. The weird, again, wildly inappropriate <laughs> alcohol induced ninth grade party. I, I don't think I would had, had certainly not martinis. <laughs> Yeah, she, she Serena's drunk on champagne. Yeah, it's all through too very, much champagne <laughs> at in ninth grade. <laughs> okay, in a very gauzy filter, so that we know that they're supposed to be ninth graders, even though he's supposed to be the nineties. Yes, he's got a four. I guess early two thousands. Yeah, well, it is interesting too. Like you know, you watch what you say. The first episode aired in two thousand seven. So this must be two, the last one, two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, yes. unless they took a longer hiatus. Uh, you know, that's like your your face and your body and your hair and everything kind of changes over the time. And, and then you try to do a flashback and you see the guy and he's just got, yeah, a full clump of chest hair, even though they, they did shave his head again. I don't think yeah. that was a wig. All right. So um, at one point, right before we find out for sure that Dan is Gossip Girl, even though they kind of basically tell you before. They, they kind of hint you. it, right. Um, we get a random scene with Kristen Bell herself as herself with Rachel Bilson. They're buds and yeah. they're working on uh, an audition yeah. um, for this new show written by this hot young downtown Brooklyn writer, Dan Humphreys. Yes. But yeah, I um, that is that whole that whole montage is very strange of like the people kind of seeing the reveal in real time. The, yeah. You know, the 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 Bloomberg thing was very odd. Yes, uh, and then I didn't recognize any of the other people, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure I'm supposed to recognize from the show. That brings me to the next part, which is you obviously missed a lot because we only watched the first and the last yeah. episode. So I'm I'm now going to give you a multiple choice quiz on some things that happened in between. Good lord, okay, John, you're you're a smart man. You were way ahead of this show in a lot of ways. So let's see if you can figure some of this out. Okay. All right. Why did Serena really leave New York? Uh, was it A, because she slept with Nate? B, because she had to go to rehab to kick a diet pill addiction? C, because she was involved with a man's drug overdose? Or D, because she fell madly in love with Georgina Sparks? See, my, my original thought was that she had gotten pregnant and had to go away because she would be showing yes. or whatever. And there's no such thing as abortion on television since Maud. Um, I'm going to say A. You're going to say A, because she slept with Nate. Well, we have a clip that will provide our answer. I killed someone. Oh, it was C. Yep. Dang. Smash cut. There you go. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, that's a that's a reason to leave. Yes. And also, they reunite much earlier in the series. So yes, they they're already fast friends back by episode seven. Yes, at least. Yes, they they put that on the table very quickly. All right, so there are several allusions in the finale to a big car accident involving Chuck and Blair that Gossip Girl shuts down the site over. Oh right, yes. Okay, so what causes this car accident? A sabotage by Bart. B, icy roads. C, Chuck's secret dyslexia, causing him to misread the street signs. Or D, the paparazzi were in hot pursuit of their car. Oh, man. D. Paparazzi, they went with the Princess Di. Mm. I got one right. 
Why was Jenny banished from New York at the end of season three? A, because she slept with Chuck. B, because she got in trouble for dealing drugs. C, because her nascent fashion line had a sweatshop scandal. Or D, because new mother-in-law Lily took an irrational dislike to her. Well, it was the best thing that ever happened to her. So I'm gonna say D. Nope, she slept with Chuck. Damn. And Blair says you can't live in New York anymore as a result. Oh, well, she makes a good point. <laughs> but that's a weird choice for the writer's room to have her go back to that well, so yes. to speak. Yeah, no, and you were right, by the way. She does sort of become a master manipulator herself and sort of briefly becomes Queen Bee. Yep. So you called that, John Ham. All right. You were you were confused about Ivy, and you were right to be confused. So Oh, Ivy, Ivy. Uh, Ivy Dickens, the Dickens. one who tries talking to Billy Ball. The little Dickens. Okay. Is she A... Lily's cousin on her mother's side, B, a con woman who once posed as Lily's cousin on her mother's side, C, an escaped mental patient with delusions of being part of the Upper East Side elite, or D, Nate Archibald's secret birth mother. Well, Lily would have recognized her if she was related to her Mamie, right? Because th don't they, or do they both act like they don't? No, no, Willi William acts like he doesn't know her. Lily knows her. Yeah, then I'll say that that's, she's the, she's the, 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 the relative that she doesn't like from Florida, from like her shitty past. Close. She is the con woman who posed as the relative. Fakes it. The fake relative. So they introduce her first as, half a, as, as a character named, I think, Charlie. Uh, it's confusing because Charlie is also named Lola. But so she she's introduced as Charlie. And then in a very soap opera fashion, at a certain point, they say, no, she's an imposter. And here's the real Charlie slash Lola, who is one of the people you then see in the montage reacting to the news that Dana's gossip girl. Oh. Okay. All right, so you were confused about the the underage woman who was with Nate when yeah, the police come to question him. All right, so that is Sage. You're not going to talk to her. She's a minor. That was a very weird line. All right, so is she A, Nate's girlfriend, B, the new queen bee at the prep school, C, the daughter of a man Serena dated in the final season, or D, all of the above? I'll say all of the above. That's exactly right. Yeah, if you go, if you're going to go for all of them, that's this this show tends to it feels like goes for all of them. Yep. All right, and the final one. So in the finale, we have the cameos by Kristen Bell, by Rachel Bilson, by Mike Bloomberg. The show featured a lot of cameos over the years. Which of these did not cameo as themselves in the run of the series? Okay, A, director David O. Russell. B, Twilight stars Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. C, Lady Gaga. Or D, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner. I would say A. David O. Russell played himself. He gave Serena a job as a PA. <laughs> what a terrible job. <laughs> Yeah, she, she goes out to L.A. at the end of, I think, season three or season four, and she runs into David O. Russell. So were the Twilight kids just too big? The Twilight kids were just too big. They're the only ones. Yeah, Ru Rufus and L Lily, while they're together, go out one time with Jared and Afonka. Yeah. Oh, so thirsty. <laughs> so deliciously thirsty. You know, John Hamm did pretty well for never having seen most of this show before. Let's see how you can do with some help from my Google Assistant. The wedding in the finale isn't actually the first time Blair got married on the show, and in fact, her first husband was a literal prince. What was his name? Was it A, Louis Grimaldi of Monaco, B, Marcus Beaton of England, or C, Furio Junta of Naples? Think you know? Let's find out. Hey Google, what prince was on Gossip Girl? According to Wikipedia, Prince of Monaco, Louis Grimaldi, made his Hollywood debut in 2010 in the CW drama Gossip Girl. Yep, that was A, Louis Grimaldi of Monaco. If the name Furio Junta sounds familiar, I put in a ringer there. He was one of Tony's enforcers on The Sopranos. And now, 
Let's go back to our friendly neighborhood, John Hamm, for more on Gossip Girl. All right, so you've now experienced the show in an unusual way. You've only seen the first episode and the last, and I filled in some of the blanks for you. Do you feel like you've gotten the full experience? I do. I really do. I feel like it's it's very interesting to see a show that's kind of held up from a production standpoint in the sense of it doesn't feel like of another era. Yeah. The music's relatively familiar, and the pacing is relatively familiar, and... Other than a few, like, weird kind of writing moments and casting moments, you're pretty much like, okay, like, I get it. This is a CW show. Yeah. That world has moved on to superheroes now. Yes. But, but th- these were essentially the superheroes of 2007. The, yeah. The strivers in the Upper East Side uh, society. So I could see that being very kind of I, – I feel like I got that version of it. Again, I feel like there's no world in which this is appealing to me. But <laughs> That's okay. But I, that's, that's why there's chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry and all 31 flavors i could i could super get why this was such a hit um because it's so kind of perfectly crafted for that demographic yeah done at a high level i mean there's no denying it like chuck bass is a good bad guy and serena and blair are two good leads you know it's got that through line of who is gossip girl which is like who shot jr man it's the that's what you want you want that kind of cliffhangery thing to get people to keep tuning in so you did really well in terms of guessing where the show was going to go because again you you understand this stuff a lot more than a, a lot of people in your profession but the one thing that i think was different from your initial speculation was the idea of Blair and Serena feuding for most of the run of the show. Right. Do you like that idea that you had in your head better than the idea that they're mostly just friends the whole time? Well, I think it just probably plays a lot truer that they become friends much faster than I would have had them because that's sort of the nature of teenage girls is that it's like weather in London, that the like the storms move through and then it's a sunny day and the next day and then the storms move through. And I think the show does a really good job of, of, uh, of supporting that. So that's probably the better way to do it. Otherwise you've, You've, you've set up camp on both sides and you just have a polarized narrative. And I think yeah. that that's gets a little boring. So I'm sure that they've gone through over the course of six seasons that they went through times where they were super feuding and then <laughs> making all back up. And, and it was an interesting thing watching in the finale when she's kind of delivering the speech where she's like, I belong here with my friends. You're my family. And it's like, I didn't watch the ensuing 90 some odd episodes, but I was like, that's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, thank you for so much for oh coming in gosh, and watching thank Gossip you. Girl this is with so us. So much! Oh, my birthday! What a great present! I, what better way to spend your birthday than watching two episodes of Gossip exactly. Girl with well, nothing in between? It's raining outside, so why not be inside watching television? All right. Well, obviously, we have to thank John Hamm for being our guest, and thank you for tuning into Rolling Stone and OBB Sounds Too Long Didn't Watch, presented by Google Assistant XOXO. Alan Seppenwall. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the foolishness you just heard, we'd like to ask you to do the same things that all podcasts ask you for. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, and please spread the word to anyone else you know who might enjoy it too. This has been OBB Sound and Rolling Stones Too Long Didn't Watch, brought to you by Google Assistant and hosted by me, Alan Seppenwall. Executive produced by Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, and Alyssa Walker of OBB Sound, a division of OBB Media, and Gus Winner of Rolling Stone. Co-executive produced by Arlen Konopaki and Grace Delia of OBB Sound, and Bridget Chelsea and Maria Fontora of Rolling Stone. The production was engineered by Evan Menick and Daniel Wanacott. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Michael Capuano. Sound designed by Michael Capuano. Original music by Daniel Wanacott. Production assistants were Jennifer Spots and Raquel Dominguez. 